At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. You better strap it on, because Knife Talk's coming at you. Hey, yo! <laughs> Jeff Fader, Gregory Lockwood, not Ben Snoor. <laughs> strap it on, <laughs> fellas. <laughs> oh, right out of the box. Right out of the box. Holy mackerel. Let's do this. Ben, thank you so much for stepping in. Mareko can't be with us this week. Happy to be yeah, here. Mareko's away, I think, isn't he, Jeff? He's in Sacramento yeah. with uh, Neil and, uh, and all the guys. They're at uh, Crocker, Crocker Cutlery. In uh, Sacramento, having the Forge to Table show. Nice, very exciting. Nice. So Ben has Ben has um, stepped in for us, um, a worthy replacement. So I'm sure we're gonna have lots of fun today. It's gonna be cool. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I know we've got some specific questions for you. Um, and when I said to my wife today that Mareko's not in, but we've got um, um, a real life cowboy in, she's got some questions too. So I'll pepper them in the show as well at some point. Okay. Can, can we just kind of drop back just a hair? Is you know, la- I was listening to last week's episode, and you were talking about the Craig that you have, you have snakes, you have owls, and you have lizards, yeah. and I was just like, what kind of fucking France is there's, this? Wait, there's, 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 there's something new as well today. Um, fucking mice, and I hate mice, mice, rats, all that kind of stuff. I hate. Um, but I, I was I was in the in the lounge today, and I was talking to my wife, and just ran right in front of me, the little bastard, right in front of my feet. Um, so obviously I jumped up on the on the sofa like a little girl would <laughs> while my wife sorted it out, you know. Why didn't you just stomp on I, it? Uh, I was surprised. I didn't have the... Uh, is, we, we've never had my seat before that, that I've known of anyway. So it was just, it was just a, you know, psh. No, no. Ben has real snakes. None of this is <laughs> bullshit snakes. He's got the snakes... We do. He's got the snakes that will, like... Kill you. Kill yes. you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like them. Aren't you like? Aren't you like lousy with rattlesnakes? Am I lousy? I with mean, them? like you have tons. No, of I'll them. kill the shit out of them. <laughs> Any different way you can think of, I've killed them with everything. How how often do you come across one? Uh, you know they're they're obviously they hibernate in the winter, but in the summers it kind of varies. I'd say. I think the busiest year I killed like 45 Fuck of them in the summer. Matt. What? And then there's other years when I've killed like four. On a good year. Jesus Christ. Good year is four. Fuck me. Now, do they attack the cattle on the ranch that you're on, or what do they do? You know, a rattlesnake really won't 
well, I was about to say a rattlesnake won't attack anything, but there is a certain kind of rattlesnake called a Mojave that's out in Arizona, and they will actively come after you. But the western diamondback rattlesnakes that we have around here, if you don't fuck with them, they're not going to fuck with you. But, you know, around the house and with pets and stuff like that, you just can't ever be too careful with that. And so if you find them on the back porch or in the house, you got to kill them. You you found them in your house? I did. Yeah, I had them stuck to a glue glue trap. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Now, was it you that I heard that... Or I don't know who I was talking to, but said that there's been like this weird evolution where the rattlesnakes have stopped rattling. Yeah. Yeah. They've stopped rattling because of the feral hogs. So the hogs are basically immune to the rattlesnake venom. And so if they come across a rattlesnake, they'll take the bite just to eat it. Uh, And so the snakes have stopped alerting the pigs to their whereabouts if they're close and so that it's just translated to everything that you've really got to start fucking with them pretty good before they'll start rattling oh, oh my god Jesus how, you, how you like how, how you like that Craig? i'm on edge honestly i'm completely on edge i, I dislike it yeah. immensely fuck that <laughs> uh, hell our cat killed one last summer that was pretty interesting dang but we've got a cat everybody in your we've family's got a cat on order um, so yeah, I can't wait for that little bastard to come. I hate cats anyway. Is it going to be in the barn? Is it going to be a barn um, cat? Well, the barn is, atta- well, we've got a couple of barns, but the main barn is sort of attached to the house. So it'll be, it'll be just around and about, right. you know, it'll be, yeah, it'll, it'll be in the house, be outside, be everywhere. Yeah. <sighs> Fucking snakes. Uh, you'll be amazed if you have mice, the day you have a cat, it can be a kitten. Hmm. And the mice will clear out. That smell drives oh, them right. away. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. That's it. We've yeah. had no sign of mice before, but I was just standing there, and it just ran, scurried in front of me. And it was like, Jesus Christ. <sighs> Country life, eh? And you scurried the other direction. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Honestly, I jumped straight up onto the sofa and screamed like a 14-year-old <laughs> girl. But hey. I, I just am surprised that France has such a, a wide range of animals living in your house. It just surprises me completely. Owls and snakes. And- yeah. Well, well, we're literally in the – if you put a pin in the middle of France, that's where we are. And we are a good, you know, 100 miles from normal life. You know, there, you know, there's lots and lots of video, uh, villages and stuff around, but, you know, from, from cities well, and so on. Screaming and jumping onto the couch sounds like a very French response to me. <laughs> I just have too much cheese out. That is also very French. I think that's what the problem is. Did you wave your white yeah. flag at it? <laughs> ah. Now, Craig, this is your weekend where you're doing the big Ukraine event, huh? It, it, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. Yeah. So, it's yeah, I'm excited. It's been... It's, it's advertised on the radio every time I'm in the car, and there's banners up everywhere I go. It's... um. Yeah, it's exciting. There's going to be a few hundred going, so it's it's going to be our biggest show to date. So I'm I'm excited. And uh, just yesterday we did a, like a full sort of production rehearsal, um, which was like nine thirty a.m. till about six p.m. last night. And honestly, it it sounds easy. You're just singing and playing guitar, but it's fucking hard work. That long, your voice is going, you're sweating. It, it, it's hard, hard work. But um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped for it. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Dang, exactly. But Dang. but I've had a bit of a week. So, um, what day was it? It was, I think, Sunday evening, maybe Monday evening. Um, we had some news, which meant I had to go back to the UK, um, like, immediately. So, so, you know, a couple of hours sleep, I need to get in the car and go. I, I won't go into reasons why. It's not family stuff. But, uh, 
17-hour drive, um, there for less than 24 hours, then another 17-hour drive back. Yeah, Ugh. and I'm still feeling it now. And obviously, I, the day we come back was then, you know, full day of rehearsals as well. So I am just fucked. Now, when you say we, did you drag your no, wife and kids I, no, I, 17 hours the there? The royal we, just myself. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, just me. But um, it was. It, I mean, it's just as hard for my wife because she's at home with, you know, two three-year-olds and a, and a six-week-old. Um, so, yeah, I felt guilty being away as well, so I need to get back as quick as possible. And, gee, yeah, it's been a real tough week, but... Uh, I'm glad it's the weekend. Let's say it that way. What about you, Jeff? What's your week been like? It's been, I mean, it's been just balls to the wall, honestly. Strapping it in is really what it's been. <laughs> I, I just finished uh, 19, 18 offset serrated knives with last half an hour. And um, we're going to have those are going to be shipping out. And then they'll probably be, I made a couple extra for, for the inventory, which is something we're trying to do. So these are all pre-sold stuff. stuff? It's all already. Well, some of them are, and some of them are going to be, you know, you know, they, they, we're going to put them in, in, as an in inventory. We're starting to try to have some inventory, which is like this, this brings up a question that I've been wondering for a while and it's knife, knife talk related. Why the offset? What is the benefit of that? The offset part. The, so, so when I was younger, my dad had a, well, to hit the ding, my family had a, <laughs> <Ding. distance. laughs> my, my family had a, my family had bread knives. And then when we went to culinary school, I started to see more guys with an offset serrated, which I had never seen before. And then in the kitchens, they were using these offset serrated. And I'd also seen them in like delis, deli guys were using them. So it was serrated knife, but because it was it was like it had that two inch heel if you didn't have the offset, but you're not getting the drag. So you're getting a lighter knife and you're not getting the drag of all if it was like an if it was a, a two inch heel, you know, full from the from the heel to the edge, you don't get that full two inches. So you're using it not just for bread, but using it for other things. So your knuckles so a lot are raised are, up on this, they're not hitting the ball. Yeah. yeah. Your knuckles are raised up. It's not too much knife. It, you know, because that material isn't there. If it were a two-inch heel, you you end up getting less drag on whatever you're cooking. So, I mean, how much drag do you really get on some bread? Um, I that's a good question. But you, but you're like, but you're you, not. You slice off three or four slices, and you're just worn out from <laughs> pulling your yeah. knife back and forth. Yeah, is that shit? I gotta take a break. Is guys. that shitty homemade bread everybody's been making in lockdown? You know, you need a special knife for that stuff. But I mean, a lot of these guys are using it for more than just, uh, br- you know, bread. I mean, most when it, oh. the guys in the in, on the line were using it for everything. Like, it was just like a, a, sh- a knife that you just didn't have to sharpen. So okay. when I designed this one, I changed it up after talking with a brisket guy who I had made a brisket knife for, and he actually asked me to change the serrations because some of them were too aggressive. So this one is more, the serrations are more in line with what a, a barbecue brisket guy would use. So it's a little bit more utilitarian than my other ones. And, you know, it was, it was something that, I mean, my friends all identified with as soon as I, as soon as I started posting them, my, my, my cook friends were just like, yo, I want one of them. Cause they all have them and they're, they're usually inexpensive and they're, you know, not a lot of personality, but they're like super duper well used. Yeah. So, well, they look good. I appreciate that. I'm ha- I'm really happy with how they turned out. Um, yeah, they turned out real nice. And then we got them all ready to go. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I have to work this weekend on something else. And it's just I'm seven days a week now. So 
lots of stuff going on and um, I actually just finished the prototype for the next knife we're going to release which is a scimitar butcher knife and hopefully we'll have that up and out mm. in the how, newsletter. How big is that going to be? Like, uh, it's a small, it's like a seven inch, seven inch blade, okay. 11, 11 and three quarters all day. It's like, um, you know, like kind of like a boning knife, but just a little bit more robust and it has a kind of rounder tip and stuff like that. So it's something that I made for a while ago. And when we came up with the idea it was we were going to do a set and then we would release one part of each set. And Tony really liked that knife. So we, we kind of, we threw that on there. So that's going to be ne- the next release that we're going to do, and then we're going to do the oyster knives and pairing knives and blah 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 blah. So it's that part's been good. the the best the best the highlight of the week has been my kid was asked to be in this uh, jazz band at the school, and they did a re- they did a performance, and they the the it wasn't jazz. It was like it was like R and B. It was like. Unchain my heart and 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 uh, kind of a jazzy version of staying alive and it was like so she playing dynamite. bass for this she was playing the bass nice. and the te- and the the the, t- the teacher came up to me and he was just like you know your kid is great at this and she really I, she jams and she really knows how to lay it down and it was so much fun and and I was so pr- she was so pumped and she's just like this is what I want to do and I'm like well we will support you so whatever you want to do so. She's just, I mean, on cloud nine after playing in this, you know, it was a, they had a horn section and it was just, and the kids were the best in the school. It was just, it was a, it was the best thing I'd ever seen. And I ended up talking to the teacher after I was like, this is the best goddamn thing you guys have done since I've been involved with this fucking school. And so that was a big highlight. How did your Illuminati meeting go? Oh, great. Actually, I went to uh, my friend Bree's place, uh, and he had all these dudes there. It, I was fooling around with, with when I was saying Illuminati, but he had some like robotics engineer guys that I ended up talking to for a while. That was pretty interesting, actually. It was, uh, it was, there's, there's a, I'm convinced that there's this connection between machinists and CNC people and then blacksmiths, and everything's about the approach. And it's, there's, you can, there's a lot of overlapping mindsets, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. So, yeah, I had a good time, and yeah, Breeze. I'm gonna have him on full blast at some point soon. But we'll see. Cool, cool. Food served? Any food served there? Uh I was. I had my. I had my fingers in a in a fruit bowl. It wasn't really. It wasn't. It wasn't as. It was pretty. Uh, the, there's some kids had. So they had hot dogs, and the kids pushed all the hot dogs in the fire. So there was a lot. Of, there wasn't a lot of. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of food. No glizzies. Huh? No glizzies. No glizzies for me. No glizzies for me. Actually, yeah. No glizzies. That's right. Um, it was, but it was great. And then uh, last but not least, I've been swimming on Mondays with my kid, and she's the captain of the swim team, and. We started racing, and she whipped my ass. And I and I and uh, every time we did, I swam probably twenty five laps with her, kicked my ass every time. I said, "I'm coming for you." The old man is going to come for you. And she goes, and she just looks at me and she goes, "I'm not going to let that happen," which was awesome. So <laughs> yeah, she's like, "I'm not letting that happen." So you're the captain of the swim team. You better not let it happen. Yeah, that's so. the attitude you want. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I'm not going to let that happen. That's not going to. It was very uh, intense. You know. So, Benjamin, how how's your yes, week sir. been? Uh, it is just a week. Nothing too exciting. Just ranch work and uh, building. Finally, kind of getting back to building hammers, which is taking me entirely too long. You know, I've been dealing with an elbow issue <clears throat> that's pretty well prevented me from swinging a hammer for five months or something like that. No, four months. And that's finally kind of healing up so I can get some stuff done, and that's. 
That feels nice. Good. But you recently were at the uh, Travis Wartz Hammerin, and you were demoing for. I mean, you want to talk about intimidating? You were demoing in front of Mike Quisenberry and and uh, Bob Kramer. What was <laughs> what was the what was the pucker factor for that? <laughs> Uh, you know what? Mike demonstrated the first day right before me, and he kind of botched his demonstration. So after that, the pressure was off. <laughs> <laughs> and what was Bob Kramer like? I know that you. you... Oh, he was fantastic. I, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect meeting him. But you, you know, if a guy's been to clown college, he can't be all bad, right? And so, yeah, he was. He was really pre- pleasant, really knowledgeable. Uh really nice to talk to everybody there was great uh devin thomas was awesome uh yeah it, it was the whole thing was just good that's a great event yeah you had stelter that at your shop too right yeah yeah we built the anvil hammer you tell us about the anvil hammer it is kind of of a shame that we had we ended up poking a hole in it sticking a handle but stelter you know we he was on his this big long road trip for two weeks or something like that and, and was going to be coming close by here so i just told him to stop by and he said he wanted to make an anvil and i was like hell yeah let's do that and then he wanted to put a handle in it and as dumb as it is i love a dumb idea <laughs> let's let's do it and so it was way more i don't know what i was thinking i thought this was going to be an easy just a walk in the park deal but it was way more difficult than I had anticipated, but we had a good time doing it. What was the hard part? He's a, he's a fun guy. What was the hard part? Well, he has fo- only forged one anvil before. I have forged none, and it was kind of the blind leading the blind on how to forge an anvil. And then, you know, the you kind of have to factor in that when you poke the hole in it, and drift it, it's going to change the shape of it right. as you're doing that. And so you kind of have to factor that in, make things a little bit smaller in the center, like the waist of the anvil, the center of the face, so you don't end up just having this enormous, weird-looking anvil hammer. Jeez. Hmm, that sounds like a lot so, of fun. It was. It was, a, it was a really good time. There you go. There you go. There you go. I think... I think uh, I think Stelter is going to be starting a new podcast. He he, he mentioned to me he wants to talk to you, Craig, about uh, what he should be doing. So everybody's going to have a podcast, and by the end of next year, I think everybody would have had a podcast at some point. Surely. Well, you know what? I mean, the pot the that's the craziest part is the the pandemic really kind of spouted out a pile of them. Mm. But a lot of them are just kind of you know losing steam. It's it's not as fun after you know. After a while, am I boring Somebody you, Jeffrey? Am I boring you? Not at all, dude. Are you kidding me? I'm the fr- I'm always the first one here. I'm doing the prep work. I'm ready. I I love it. You you broke my balls hard last week, and I I thought it was very funny. So. It, I thought last week's episode was possibly the best yet. Out of what it was, really really good. Thirty or something like that. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good hour. Really good. I tell you what, that we I don't know if you listened to it, Ben, but we started talking about uh, Johnny Depp. And the Johnny Depp... I didn't quite make it to that part. I was listening to it this morning. It didn't make it there. The Johnny so. Depp, this whole Johnny Depp trial 
is 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 so hilarious. I mean, it's like total. He's it's totally crazy. So we were talking about that last week, and then all of a sudden, my phone blew up with Johnny. You know, the phone oh, hears that you're talking about Johnny Depp, and next thing you know, it's like you know, Pirates of the Caribbean this and. You know, whitey bulger that, and next thing you know, you know, so and bed shitting and everything, yeah, all that, all that, all that. So right, well, yeah, it was a great episode last week. Wouldn't be possible without these guys. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. And if you want a discount, you could go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat. Because that'll take you to Soul Ceramics, who are a distributor, and they're going to give you $75 off and free shipping in the US. So I'll put that link in the description as well. Okay, shall we do some questions? I know we've got loads of specific questions for Ben as well, so I think we might as well just start, start getting into them, I think. Let's do it. Whatever Let's you do want. this. Mike Poor is the first one. Um, um, what is the... S- what is the sense? Sense. I think you mean sense. What is the sense behind quenching hammers in brine versus water? It's the hell out of me. I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that That's was the, the fastest and best answer ever. <laughs> you hear people talk about using brine. Uh, you know, I I have done it. I I, I don't do it anymore. So a ten forty five steel is only going to get so hard. In water. I mean, just if all the conditions are right, it can only get so hard. Brine is a, or I was actually using super quench, which is a brine mixture, but it, it just quenches it a little bit faster. So it's to get it that little, little extra bit harder. Is brine just a salted water, I assume? It is. Okay. And what's super quench? Super quench is. It is five gallons of water, I think two pounds of salt, 32 ounces of Dawn soap, and seven ounces of Jet Dry. And it was developed by Rob Gunter, who's a blacksmith. That He was the blacksmith for Sandia Laboratories in Albuquerque. And I've heard the whole story of how he came up with it, but I don't remember it. Uh and it just it just quenches faster. It's you know that the soap acts as a, as a surfactant, so it sticks the water to water the salt water to the steel, eliminating a vapor jacket. Huh, is the main thing. And I get around that by quenching my hammers in a fifty gallon barrel with a half horse sump pump in there, and I put each face right in front of the nozzle coming out. Oh. And the water's just moving so fast that there's no time for a vapor jacket to form. It's like a jacuzzi. Yeah. Nice. I remember yeah. I remember when you told me that uh when you were teaching a hammer making class at uh, with Jonathan Porter, you said if there's if when you're quenching if you're quenching a hammer, if there's not water all over the floor, you're not doing it right. You gotta make a mess. I mean you gotta that is a big piece of steel you're trying to cool off as fast as possible. And if you're just kind of Stirring it around, it's not going to do it. You have got to really vigorously get after it. There you go. Hmm. Okay. There you go. I wonder. I want. I've seen. I've seen people. I've seen. I know. I've seen uh, Liam Hoffman. He has a quench tank, uh, oil quench tank for his for his hammers, where he has like an agitator in there, and then that yeah. way he doesn't have to worry so much about the vapor jacket. It. It is definitely. I think that 
as for knife makers, a lot of times we use too little oil um, to quench in, and, and then what happens is you end up with that vapor jacket, or you get your oil just just too hot. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. I. You know, if you're quenching a knife, and this is just my thoughts, you. You know. Yeah, you can buy parts fifty in a by the gallon, but one gallon is not enough for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to have a couple of couple of gallons at least just for the thermal conduction of it, so all of it doesn't just heat up immediately. Yeah. I mean, I know nothing about hammers, you know, making hammers, but obviously you've got this big mass of steel. So when you're quenching it, obviously the you know the outer sort of skin, if you like, is going to harden quickly. How how sort of deep does that quench go? Is, is the core of that steel is that fully hardened too? Or is that going to be softer? Is there a benefit to that being softer, making the whole thing less brittle when you're hitting things, for example? Is, I mean, what's what's the goal? I, I differentially harden my hammers. And so I'm not having to quench the entire thing. Mm. Uh, I learned this from Jim Poor, which I don't know if you know who he is, Greg. No. He's a farrier. He makes Flatland Forge hammers. He's ma- He's given away more hammers than I'll ever make. <laughs> but, you know, you don't need the center by the eye yeah. hard. That's what I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. And and he also swears it it dampens vibration having the center softer, mm-hmm. but I'm only doing the faces, and so I mean it's it all gets hard. Whatever you you quench, if you do it right, and you either vigorously stir your hammer in the in the quench, or use or super quench, or have a water jet. I mean it it's gonna harden. Yeah, you know, half inch deep. How do you just quench the faces? Uh, I, I have a little rig I built up with a rosebud that I put them underneath and I can just kind of walk away for a minute or two and let it heat up just that one face. And I do, do each face individually. Oh, I see. I see. I see. You also got that even heat. I do have that even heat for the tempering and I love it. I love it to harden stuff out of it. And like, if I do a Damascus hammer, you know, obviously that whole thing has to be hardened just so it'll etch correctly. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how I go about it, and it it seems to work well for me. There you go. There we go. And I, back to the even heat. I love that I can just you know two hours, four hundred and ten degrees. I can walk away, come back, run it again, and I'm set. Mm. I don't believe in the whole uh, heating your drift up to temper your your axe. It's just not a thorough tempering. The, or your hammer, I mean. Do you know that about that, Craig? A lot of hammer makers sometimes they'll just heat up like a drift, basically. There's something the size of a drift. Mm-hmm. And then after they quench the hammers, instead of tempering the oven, tempering the, the hammers, they'll put this red hot drift in the eye and just let it sit there. And then you'll start to see the the straw yellow kind of glow, th- you know, slowly move through. And then the faces get that temper. Jeez. But I mean. But it's not a thorough tempering, though, because, you know, you've got to hold to temper steel. Knives, I don't, I've never fully understood how knives factor into that. But you've got to do an hour at, at temperature per inch of cross-section. So if you have a cubic inch of ha- hardened steel, that's a minimum of, of an hour to temper it. Hmm. But, I mean, you've got to think, you know, people who are making hammers for, you know, probably centuries probably longer yeah um and obviously they didn't have access to you know even heats and whatever you know so they, they had something it must have worked 
You know? Yeah, they use their toaster yeah. oven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, it must have worked. But I suppose what they're not having is that sort of yeah. repeatability and knowing that every time it's bang on. The, the variables, and the variables must have is, been yeah, massive. The repeatability, yeah. the repeatability, and then, you know, when you're selling hammers, there's a certain amount of liability whenever you're sending it out there into the yeah. world of if a piece comes off and goes into somebody. I mean, you, you got to cover your ass and just do, doing a thorough tempering is me covering my ass. Yeah. That's, you know, that happens a lot with tools. A lot of people, they don't realize when you're hitting, a, you know, when you, you, everyone has seen, you know, uh, rock chisels and stuff like that where the, where the hitting area is mushroomed out. And those, mm-hmm. those mushrooms are what turns into shrapnel. And I'm always, anytime I have any kind of mushrooming on any of these um, pieces, I'm constantly grinding them down. And it's because I'm, I'm terrified that a piece is going to break off and end up in me. I've I've got a piece in my leg that went in right by my femoral artery at one point, and that kind of scared me. What happened? I just came off a flatter. Uh, hit it, and it just went right in my leg, and I made me bleed. It's probably in there somewhere. But uh, that's been a while. But, yeah, if you have a mushroom tool, grind that stuff off. Yeah. And do you know what you want to use to grind that stuff off with? Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! There we go. There we go. You and uh, your mushroom tool. Yeah. We didn't have a single joke about, about a hard peen and covering your ass there at all, did we? There were a few, there were a few times I wanted to like do an AO, but I, I just yeah. uh, you know held back. Yeah, held we got back. we got guests in today, so maybe not. I know. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, the next one is from um, Kanan Kanan Knife and Tool, I think it is. Um, hey, for Ben Snow, what is your favorite Texasism? Uh, mine is uh, that's about as useless as tits on a nun. Um, what's up uh, from San Marcos Ben a long time fan of your work uh, Yeah, I think that's Canaan or Canaan Knife and Tool on Instagram uh, I got a whole list of those that I could give you but you kind of need context I mean it's hell she's so skinny she could stand in the shade of a of a uh, oh damn it <laughs> of a, stand in the shade of a clothesline it's the way you tell him Ben <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hotter, hotter than two rats fucking in a wool sock. Mm. <laughs> uh, dumber than a box of rocks. I don't know. Yeah, that one's a good one. Yeah, I like my favorite one is my old boss Charlie Palmer used to say, "I was born at night, but not last night." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, or or the other one is, uh, "What do you think? I came down with the rain." That was a good one. Nice. Yeah, Craig. I can never remember. Jeff so talkative. He he could talk the legs off a chair. Yeah, there you go. That's I can it. never remember them. It's like when people say, you know, you, you, tell me a joke or you know a favorite joke of yours. Uh, you know, you have to be there at the moment. You know, I can never remember them later on. I'm, I'm t- fucking terrible with stuff like that. Maybe I'm just old. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Goff asks again. This is on. Inst- well, it, it, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to that one to the Texasism. If somebody farts, yeah. <laughs> That sounded like it's going to itch later. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Jacob Goff. Um, and again, this was Instagram. So if you've got any questions for us, remember to DM Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Um, and Jacob did. So his question is, um, again for Ben, uh, when fought in monosteel, does the grain structure change? He's asking. 
Of course it does. That's the point, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, the whole grain structure deal, and obviously Laren Thomas would be a better person to ask than me, but my understanding is grain growth comes from temperature, like too high a temperature. So if you can keep your temperature lower, you're going to, you know, forge it kind of the lower end of the spectrum. It will prevent some of that grain growth. And I could be wrong. Probably am. I, see, I don't know. I was under the impression, too, that that's the majority. It's not the, ha- the hammering as much the grain growth is from overheating the steel. Like yeah, that's... hammering puts stress in, not grain growth. Right, 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 right. Uh, this one's from uh, Eustace Knives. Question for Ben. Where do you hide your overshirt so your good shirt doesn't get dirty? I work in a farm, and I'm usually covered in a brew of grease, dirt, sheep shit, or chaff. Most of my shirts look like they've been in a grease monster bukkake. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Very descriptive. Yeah. Very descriptive. <laughs> Yeah, you always uh, have a very clean shirt. I, I am always w- wondering how come your shirts are as clean as they are. Uh, people always say that, and I guess it's because I don't just rub my hands all over my shirt. I don't know. My wife always complains that I'm dirty. Yeah, she does. You, like the... <laughs> <laughs> you always look like you're very clean. I, I'm always surprised you're wearing a long sleeve shirt, too. That always shocks me. But uh... I like them. Yeah, you look good. I got, I got really skinny arms. I don't want anybody to see them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that. Uh, Walker Knives says, here's a question for you savvy gentlemen. How do you keep your email campaigns out of people's spam folders? I added myself to my email list, and my own email ended up in my Gmail promotions folder. I didn't even know I had that folder. Any tips or tricks I'm missing? Thanks, dudes. This might be for you, Craig. I don't, I don't know from that. Yeah, it's difficult. I go through phases where that, that happens, and particularly with people with Gmail addresses because Google are very aggressive on um, you know, putting things in spam folders, that kind of thing. Um, depends what service you're using. Um, personally, I use the one that's just built into Squarespace. Um, in the past, I've used uh, MailChimp and that kind of thing. Uh, but go to your sort of advanced settings, and it'll ask for more sort of domain details. Um, and, yeah, th- there's more stuff you can do that way. But, yeah, there's there's no, you know, way of preventing it. Um, sometimes your your email address, you know, the sent email address is coming from, just could be on a blacklist that Google has. Um, and there's nothing really you can do about that. Um, but yeah, check whichever service provider you're using. There's normally sort of domain settings as well, um, and there's a bit more sort of security stuff you can fill in there, and that'll you know it'll keep your sort of security level lower, um, your send level lower as opposed to high, which is what you want, I suppose. Hmm. Maybe try putting quotes from famous people like Skinny G in there. Oh yeah, this is. Do you know what we do, Craig? Peter and I. This is like I love it. This is I, I'm grateful that every time every time we send out a newsletter, mm. Ben will Ben will send me a, a nice message. And what happened was is we, you know, we tr- we do these little meetings about the newsletters and everything like that. And 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 at one point, I said to uh, Tony and Allison, I hate people giving uh, any type of inspirational quote. I think it's the dumbest, most arrogant, and the most obnoxious thing you can do. I just do. I'm sorry. And and if you if you're one of them people who like to put on an inspirational quote, what you're trying to do is you're trying to link yourself to that speech your or that quote and it, I find it to be obnoxious. So, <laughs> I've known Tony 20 years. 
when he finds something that I don't like, he makes he goes out of his way to do it. So if I say something that irritates me, he'll almost like take a pen, pen and pencil, pencil and write it down. Mm. So when we started to do the newsletter draft, he put on this ridiculous quote. And then it was from William Shakespeare. And then underneath he wrote, Billy Shaky. <laughs> so then Allison was like, is this really what... I think Jeff doesn't like this. And he's just like, no, no, we're putting it on. And I found it to be so funny that he wanted to annoy me that I thought, we're keeping it. <laughs> so then every time we do a newsletter, we write, we find a crazy quote, and we might not even be, we might not even be, it might not even be the right person. We come up with all these fucking quotes and we, and we fuck up someone's name or we make it up or we say these obnoxious quotes and now it's funny, and it's fun. Is I find it funny because I know that I know that Tony's just trying to annoy me, mm. and that's funny. So we do these obnoxious quotes every time. Last time for for our prince, we put in a prince quote, and Tony found some off the wall prince quote. So if you go to our newsletters, if you you will know that that we're 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 not serious. We're just fucking around. Part of your shtick. Yeah, I mean, it, Tony loves it. So we did one from you know, <laughs> we did one. Tony said I thought it was from Gandhi. So instead of calling him Gandhi, call him Skinny G. You know, so <laughs> we're just—they are total. It's and I, we don't know who reads them except for Ben because Ben says I'm here for the quotes. Mm. So yeah, that's all the reason I, I look at that newsletter. Yeah, so our newsletters are ridiculous. So sign up for the newsletter, Fader Knives, and most of them will be ridiculous, and they're going to get worse. They're yeah. going to get. Totally obnoxious. Yeah. So that's the way to do it. Have something, another reason for people to open it, you know? And I've seen some people do some really clever stuff, like have, um, you know, lucky links, they call them, and they'll just put three, three links at the bottom and they'll send you something, to, you know, something that's cool they've seen this week or something. Or, you know, just something so you're not just trying to fucking sell something every time you send an email, because that's just, yeah, it's a bit icky. We're know? trying to figure out a way to, you know, I, we're trying to figure out a different style of content and, and you know, touch your. I don't know. I mean, our numbers with like newsletters is 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 good, depending on what it is mm. and stuff like that. But we're trying to figure out something new and funny. And at, if I'm having a good time, then I've been recently doing these little quick videos where I'll find a song, and then I'll do in the in radio they call it talking up a song or hitting the post, where you'll have like 30 seconds and then you'll say what you have to say. You know, on the radio it'd mm. be like your traffic and weather and stuff like that. And here's a song from blah blah blah, and then. You hit the post, and then the and then the and then the then the, the lyrics come on. The singer starts singing. So we've started to do that a little bit more often, and it, I'm surprised. I, I did that with uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was like twenty one thousand views. Wow. It was like this for this nothing thing. It was kind of interesting. Mm. So I'm, I'm so yeah. I'm start I'm starting to sort of think the last. I well, it's probably about two years now. I think everybody's chasing sort of views and likes that kind of thing on social media, but. It's the con that conversion to a sale. That's you know, there's, to me, spending time on doing something like that is yeah, it's nice to have likes and shares and all that kind of thing. But if you're not seeing that conversion, you know, and that's what I've been toying with the last. It seems recently, but probably the last two years. Just like, I, I don't know if as, as you would Jeff would say there the uh, you know whether the juice is worth the squeeze. Um, when I think emails. To me, they're, they're far, far better. You know, you have like a 70%, you know, success rate of people, you know, clicking a link, which you don't have in a social media post. You know, you're lucky if you get 10%. Um, so, yeah, I well, don't know. I think things are – well, certainly the way I think anyway, things are changing, you know. 
Well, we got We're trying to find have some fun. Yeah, that's all no, that's we're fun. trying yes, to do. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of fun, I mean, Ben, Ben's your posts and your reels are always fun. Thank you. You just did a you did a review of flaming hot Cheetos Mountain Dew. That Which was, shouldn't exist. No, Jesus <laughs> Christ, no. Why? Why did they make it? And what possessed you to try it? Somebody was drunk at the Mountain Dew factory, I guess. I don't, <laughs> or Stone, maybe. I, I don't know. But my sister just sent me a picture of it, and I thought I gotta I gotta try this because, you know, science and shit. <laughs> I, I've got no other. I, I've got no other reason than I did that for content. And what did it taste like? I can't believe it was so red. It was. As, I'd never seen a soda as red as that. It tasted like. Cleaning some sort of cleaning detergent. At, well, as I said, at like a a uh, urinal cake with tahini. <laughs> <laughs> it it just it's got this cl- like chemical taste, soap taste, and then this weird after ta- after taste of of a little bit of spice. It's it's just it's awful. Yeah, and and for the and even the idea of like maybe I could put some vodka in it. No. It isn't. It's so bad. You, like you can't drown out that flavor with liquor. I love that you said tahini. Tahini is the spice that you you get. It's it's uh it's kind of like a a citrusy chili pepper. It's just, yeah, it's good. It's great. It's like this. It's very super citrus, and it's a powder. It's like a spice that you can get a you can get a jar of it and sprinkle it on things. It's great. But uh, that was a very that was a good pull. It's good on watermelon. Is it? Oh, yeah. Is it? Have you seen this, this stupid thing where people are putting mustard on watermelon? Oh, God, no. Yeah, I tried it. How was it? I didn't like it. I, I didn't do it again. I don't know why anybody... These, these these like, food trends are the dumbest things of all time. It's like... Everybody's like, looking for something new. Everything looking to stand out and do something that's edgy or whatever. And it's just like, fuck it. It's obviously not going to work, and is it? it? it it's kind of like the Mountain Dew. Why, why would you do that? Oh. I mean, what, what, I'm going to put some, you know what this watermelon needs? Mustard. <laughs> Fucking people. <laughs> Fucking people. Yeah. Right, okay, let's go back to questions. Uh, Speaking of fucking people, okay. Yeah, talking about fucking people. Yeah. <laughs> BW Knives has asked, Hello, you sexy cuties. I've fallen in love with the show. You guys crack me up. I have a Gen Ken vertical air bath and clean off the scale after each cycle. I'm a stock removal guy that uses 1084. This is a long fucking question, right? I follow New Jersey Steel Bar and um, heat treat recipe, and after heat treat and temper, I see shadows in the steel. If I etch in ferric chloride, it's a hit or miss with a finish. The shadow spots show up. As a disclaimer, I do three normalizing cycles as per New Jersey Steel Bar and recommendations. I quench in Parks 50. I temper in my kitchen oven at 3.90. This is all about him, isn't it? I temper in my kitchen oven at 3.90, mainly because of the variation of the temper for conventional oven. The blades had a gorgeous straw colour when they come out of temper. I have broken many blades, and the grain structure looks like all of the photos says it should. Just confused as to why I can get a solid black-grey blade after the ferric chloric etch. Why I can't get a solid black or grey blade after the, uh, after the etch. I'm guessing decarb. I decarb. I think the decarb is a good idea. Good, good point. A real good point. I've noticed with 1084. I understand what he's saying. I think a lot. Some stock removal guys don't pre-grind, mm. and I think that like 1084 can 
you know, not quench. You know, you gotta. I think you gotta grind a little bit more before you you heat treat it. I've actually had a lot more success with fifty two one hundred in regards to getting a jet black etch. Hmm. Um, fifty two one hundred is something that I really really like to use, and it, I think quench is really easy. It's 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 easier than people think it is, and I always. You know, grind before I heat treat, heat treat, grind away, hand sand, throw in the ferric chloride, and then get it jet black. Yeah. And I'm, I'm amazed. I generally don't etch that much, but when I do, I find that it needs to be clean as hell. So, you know, completely degrease it, not even fingerprints on there. Um, otherwise, you might get these spots, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, just make sure you, you know, you clean it. And I've seen people using all sorts to clean, you know, and you, you see people on the videos, and I'm like, well, that's, that's no good. Yeah, you need to sort of degrease it, let it sort of air dry. No, no fingerprints on there, um, and that certainly helps with etching. You know, with regards to spots and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever tried uh, just doing a mono steel blade in in the coffee etch? No, and just doing that and no other ferret. Yes. Oh. And did it turn black? No. Okay. Mareko told me that a lot of that has to do with you need the nickel content. The galv- there's a galvanic situation that happens right. that kind of you need in order for the coffee etch to work. But I believe it or not, I've actually used whatchamacallit? Um Sharpies. Evaporust. <laughs> I've I've used Evaporust and I've gotten jet black. With the Evaporust. Not jet black. I've, I've, I've seen gray. that on uh on those like Oh, vintage axe works. He he puts those axes in there, right? And and just the edge comes out blacker than shit where it's hardened. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that stuff is pretty amazing. That evapor rust. I use it on uh, on cleavers when I'm renovating when I'm rehabbing cleavers. I wish it would take off Ford scale. Yeah, yeah. I, I seems like it should, but apparently it doesn't. I, Evaporus is a kind of an interesting product, and I know that the Axe and Iron podcast did an interview with the owner, and it's and it is completely food safe, as he says. the The guy's a chemist, and it has to do. Yeah, with... that's what they said about Roundup too. <laughs> go go listen to the Axe and Iron podcast with the Evaporus guy and make your own decisions. I don't know. I'm not saying it's Roundup, but I mean Ben makes a very good point. <laughs> I mean they're not advertising with the Axe and Iron podcast anymore. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but look, if you Just want to remove um, any sort of scale, you're going to need a good grinder. Jeff's got a very good one, haven't you, Jeff? Tell us all about it. Dude, the Broadback Ironworks 2x72 is is my number one grinder. I got three grinders in the shop, and that's the one I go to. It's so versatile. It's a workhorse. I love it, and I also love how uh, great all the attachments are. Uh, I got... I got the platen. I got the Mareko platen, which is my favorite platen. That is for candle carving. It's dynamite. Uh, I have. I actually use the uh, the fullering. The uh, they have a, an attachment for um, integral bolsters, which is dynamite. And I've been using that lately uh, for some flattening and stuff like that. And then uh, I just got the uh, surface grinder attachment, which is really good. They make great grinders and they make great attachments too. So go to Broadbeck Ironworks. Dot com put in the promo code what is it what are the promo codes again oh shit um it's knife talk 100 for yeah knife talk 100 for like there's a mac oh i, I give me a minute I'll, I'll take up an email now all right let me let me let me tell let me tell you guys something the wheels have fallen off yeah. hey, let me tell you something if you're gonna get into leather work 
Don't fool around with needles in your big old thumb. Go get yourself one of their leather sewing machines. They're they're using these leather sewing machines, and and it's definitely the way to go. Broadback Ironworks holds on to them sewing machines to make the work a lot less for you. Yeah, and if you use Knife Talk 100, you'll get $100 off the sewing machines um, or a surface grinder. $100 off that too, so Knife Talk 100. But if you're going for the one of the big packages, the Max, the Premium, or the Mega package you can use knife talk 200 and that'll give you 200 dollars off i got dilemmas for you let's do one let's do it all right dilemmas this first this if you want to send us some dilemmas for the show um you go to knife talk uh podcast on instagram and then you can dm us your your questions your dilemmas i'll usually do a call to action in the middle of the week and then we we We'll take them up, and you guys sent me some good ones this week. This one comes from Jake Cabral. Jake Cabral says, hey, guys, I got a dilemma. I'm a hobbyist, and one of my buddies hit me up to make a knife for him. He sent me a design of a big chopper, and it's a dead replica of a semi-custom from a big maker. I told him I'd try it as a project and see if I could replicate it, and if it worked, he uh, if it worked out, he'd pay me whatever the cost was to make it. Not not There was no profit. Then he told me this friend would buy one too for a profit, which I bought, uh, which I brought up, which brought up a moral question. Normally, I would say I wouldn't do it, but because I'm copying another maker for the actual knife, it's almost seven hundred bucks, which for all of us being nineteen in college is out of our range to afford, and we'd never be able to buy it. Is it wrong to make the knife, even though I know this would be the only way for them to be able to afford one? Thanks again for the podcast. Moral dilemma: Is he morally wrong? for copying someone's knife for some 19-year-old college students who are going to who knows what they're going to do with it if if it's a straight rip off where he's literally you know looking at the picture and he's copying it you know probably yes but i mean if what if you look what's his instagram handle <laughs> <laughs> let's leave him alone no, let's leave this, what he... leave this poor kid alone <laughs> who knows right. who's going to send him a message <laughs> yeah um, but I think, you know, if he's doing it from memory, say, you, you know, oh, that style of knife, yeah, I, I could make one like that and doing this in sort of memory, yeah. But if you're, you know, if you're, if, if you're looking at the picture and you're copying it as best as you can, I think, you know, what are you doing? This, you see this as an opportunity to put your own sort of stamp on, literally, your own stamp onto something. Um, you know, you can take that as a, as, as a basis for a knife. But yeah, use this as an opportunity and think, well, you know, maybe I could just change that a little bit. I could do, you know. But, um, you know, purposely copying something exactly, if something's very specific as well and very sort of individual, um, I'd say that's not really on, really. What do you think, Ben? You know, I'm sort of torn on it. He's 19, he's in college. How good a knife maker can he really be anyways? Um, I mean, what are the odds it's going to end up looking exactly like the one that's being sold? I mean... He can try his best, and it's still going to end up different because every person grinds different, you know, different handles. But I, for the most part, I'm I'm with Craig. I you know, competition choppers. There's not a, a a whole lot of variety in them, anyways. So just change a couple of small things and make it your own. Yeah, I, all knives are copied from other knives, anyways. Yeah. Nineteen years old, just do whatever you want. I mean, no, is, like, isn't he saying the customer's only 19? I think he's 19. Oh, right. Okay. I, he's a hobbyist. Okay. He's a homemade knife. Just say. It's a homemade knife. 
if you take pictures and put it out there, say, hey, this was copied from this guy. Mm. There's definitely, there's definitely, I, I, I tend to think, especially if you're young at it and you're just starting out, just do your thing. You, no one's going to come after you, except for when you start to like, you know, puff out your chest and yeah. say, I came up with this and this is me and this That's is me. Right and, there. and I think that, you know, just do your thing, man. It's like, and then, you know what? It's not so bad to get burned once in a while. It's not so bad for, to, to, to put something out there thinking whatever. And then you get, you get kicked in the teeth a little bit you learn from that too so i say fucking get your money man you gotta i mean you gotta pay for them glizzy somehow right you gotta get beer you gotta get beer you gotta get beer somehow when you're in college you gotta figure it out sometimes you gotta do whatever it takes and whatever it takes might not be the best thing ever so all right Good old Jake Cabral. Okay, next one comes from Wilder Knives of Alaska. I have Wait, a dilemma. Did you, did you just name the person then? I named him in the beginning, oh, right. too. Oh, sorry. Jake okay. Cabral's okay with us. I'm okay. more with Jake. He's okay. a listener of the podcast. God bless him. Wilder Knives of Alaska says, I have a dilemma, kind of. Not much that I can do about it, but a distant family member that I don't know that well sent me a picture of their weird knife and one, of a weird knife and wanted me to make it for her son. The knife wasn't my style at all, but apparently I have something in common with Craig, and I'll take anything for some cash. <laughs> You're quite Which is a vicious rumor, by the way. I'm, I, I'm, uh, no. It takes a lot for me to do any work at the moment. <laughs> I didn't have any info on the knife other than it was, uh, it was made by another maker. It seemed like it was, go- it was a goofy gas station knife her son thought was cool. I made the knife and sent it out, and then her son adds me on his Instagram. I look at his page, and he's into some crazy flailing martial arts, and has videos of himself twirling and flailing with machetes and knives of all kinds. The worst of it was the most recent post. He had surgery from a bad cut on his arm. He said it was from glass, but I doubt it. Thank God I decided not to use my maker's mark or even post it. All I can think of is this guy's going to be flinging his knife all, all over the place and cut the <laughs> shit out of himself. First off, thank you for the story. I don't see any dilemma there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the nephew's Instagram handle? <laughs> the, we, there, he he didn't really ha- he solved his own dilemma. He just said I took the money and ran. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like dilemma solved. Well, now we're in a dilemma. We need to know this kid's Instagram. Uh, I I do I do get slightly concerned. When it comes to making things that other people use, and then I mean, there are videos of people like doing like unboxings, and then they do that that Doug Micarta, fl- Micarta, Mark, Doug Markita, Markita, <laughs> fl- flinging the knife around and making faces and noises and chirping and grunting, and then all of a sudden they nick themselves. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They'll do that like the punching with the the knife in their fist, and the next thing you know, there's like blood dripping, and you're just like, oh, I, I've yeah. yet to hear any chirping in one of those videos, <laughs> they, but I look forward. to they it. They make some chirping and some all sorts of <laughs> weird gruntings and stuff like that. There's this strange. There is a strange. There's just these str- when the camera's on, people do weird things, and I, I would not be super pumped. I get I get really grossed out when I'll, a customer sends me a picture that they cut themselves with my knife. I fucking mm. Don't like that at all. I just, it disgusts me completely, and, and it gets me nervous. So, like, if some, you know, goofball kids like twirling around the knife, I, I think I might just like, you know, hit the block button. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we got if you no. Be co- dumb. You got to be tough. 
That's right. Well, who said that? If you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. Was that uh, Johnny Knoxville? Oh. Is that no, next, the next song, quote? There's the next a quote song for your email. That. That, is it? <laughs> That's the next quote from the email. Yeah. If you're going to be Johnny dumb, Knoxville. you got to be tough. <laughs> I, I'm going to send Tony that message right there. You will get that. Uh... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We have other dilemmas, or you want to keep going on? Let's, let's uh, do one more dilemma, then we'll do questions, right. maybe come back, yeah. Make sure it's an actual dilemma, not just a story. Yeah. Okay, let me <laughs> let me look down these. Uh, oh, here's a dilemma. This is from Jmod Knives. Hey, guys, I have a dilemma. I'd like to get more known for being a knife maker rather than a skateboarder these days. I've always had a, fo- a small following because of my skating, but lately my content has been 80% knives and 20% skateboarding. All my clients have been skateboarders, and I have tons of skaters interested in my knives, but most of them are teenagers and broke. Do you think I need to transition into a different audience, or should I keep the skateboarder knife maker thing going? And if I were to transition, how do you think I'd even go about it? So hmm. That's a tough one, that, really, isn't it? Because, first of all, I'm thinking, well, just set up a new account, and, you know, one's for the knives, one's, one's for the skateboarding. But if you've got, like, a fan base and they're interested, um, <sighs> yeah, fuck I think you've got to stick with it. Yeah, fuck them. You, you, it's your account. It's not theirs. Stick up what you want. I like the idea of having something different. So if you have the knives and the skateboards together, I don't know, but that's just kind of like a, it's kind of like a. That's you. So yeah, that's your, yeah. your niche. Yeah. Or niche. For for you Frenchies. Yeah. <laughs> niche. niche. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I I I uh, I like the skateboarding. It's actually J Mod Knives is a pretty cool Instagram. He does. Uh, he's you know doing all these great skateboarding tricks, and then he has the knives. That I think you have something very interesting. And I, I the hard the hardest part is I don't know who I was listening to, but. It's this idea that like things are quick, you know, like building companies are quick and building brands are quick and you really got to just have enjoy yourself and do what you like doing and then it starts to and be consistent and then it kind of catches up with you. But I mean, I I like the fact that you kind of have something different going on. Yeah. So I would I wouldn't really I wouldn't change course. I would just keep going. No, I'm looking at his page right here. I mean, it's it's got a it's got an appeal to it. Like he's he's like just like you said he's got the skateboarding but majority knife work but it it's it's that personal touch of who he is I mean it's kind of like me doing a Mountain Dew review <laughs> is it adds a little bit of personality behind the product and you know most of the lot how often if you see two knives sitting there on a table you don't know anything about one 
you know this one beside it is this skater dude, you know, hand-making this knife. You're probably going to go look him up, scroll through his stuff, and buy that one. Because you have a background story. You can put a face to the product. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. Look at you. Unbelievable. I have another I have another dilemma. That was more like a question, but I have another dilemma here. Okay. Uh, this one is from Adel, Adel Knives. Hi, guys. Here's a dilemma. I've been saving up money to buy a kiln so I can start my own heat treating. I'm in the U.K., so I can't take advantage of your Even Heat Soul Ceramics partnership, but I know what I should be looking at. However, my wife will be turning 40 in October and wants a long weekend in New York to mark the occasion. She justifies this with the argument of you're only 40 once, and I point out that she was 37 once, and that got me nowhere. (laughs) So do I blow my savings on a long weekend in the U.S., or do I book a uh, weekend in Yorkshire and have some kiln money? I think we all know that I'm actually, if if it happens, uh, Jeff, will you please send me your weekend guide to New York? I'll definitely send you my weekend guide to New York. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's gonna happen in it. You gotta if you, if your family life is happy, you're more uh, likely to carry on doing what you love doing outside of it. I think. Um, yeah, don't piss the wife off. Do what she needs to do. But I don't know. Maybe maybe we could work with somebody and get some some sort of discount in the UK as well. That would be lovely. Um, I don't know. A weekend in Yorkshire sounds sounds really nice. <laughs> it, not if you're you know not if it's local. No, you want that's, you want uh, to get out of that that's rain. That's honors territory, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Took he north. lives by the water. It looks nice over where he is. Yeah, very, very, yeah, I, very sort of quaint and very sort of English. But you know, if you if you live there, it's, it's you want to, you want to see something exotic, don't you? You know, um, yeah. Only forty once, as she says. I'd go to New York and then you know sell some knives, get the kiln later. Yeah, you, know. you blow if you blow that money on a kiln. Every time you go to the shop, your yeah. wife is going to be like, "Oh, is my other what? My his other girlfriend? His other girlfriend <laughs> in the kiln? Yeah, don't do it. That's a banana yeah, tailpipe situation. Get, get a toaster oven, a little remote thermometer. You'll be all right. You'll for be a while. all right. You, you heard it. You heard it here. Yeah. If the even heat guys are listening, you know, you know what we're saying. We know it makes sense. He's going to get one in the end. He's going to get one at some point, surely. Okay, um, Winnipeg Blade Works has asked a question. Um, hey guys, question for the hive mind. Um, I'm working on a few knives and I'm trying to uh, trying my hand at developing a hamon. I'm using 1095, uh, quenching in Parks 50, and using uh, Satanite as my clay. I usually just profile my knives before heat treat, and I've taken my first experimental knife down to, uh, I don't know what this measurement means, 0.040. I'm trying to find the nice balance between uh, thin enough to have an active hormone and thick enough to not have crazy warp issues. Any advice on our ideas would be appreciated. Uh, thanks as always. Um, so yeah, you I want to ask Mareko. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever do hormones, Ben? No, uh, I've I've attempted. I've never had any good luck. I've had nothing but bad luck. In fact, me too. Actually, I've had bad luck. It just was like well, yeah. I mean, it's just it kind of ends up as like a straight line, or yeah, nothing, nothing exciting to see. Yeah, Uh -uh. Mm. Um, yeah, I I don't know. And point zero four zero, I don't know what the fuck that is. (laughs) (laughs) That's like close to a sixteenth, I think. Hmm. I mean, I don't think you know what that is either. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) 
I, you know, the Hamon thing is interesting, and a lot of friends of mine are doing it. I know that uh, Jared Thatcher had to, poor fucking guy, he had to match a set, and they all, all the set had all these Hamons, and he went through like five knives before he got it right, and he like broke like four of them. It's a definitely an interesting characteristic to a knife, and um, the idea behind it is, you know, you put the satanite or the kiln cement on the spine of it, and then that prevents the steel from, you know, converting, getting to austenite and converting into martensite. So that whole that whole area is like, you know, and then when you you fit, quench it and you sand it and then you throw it into uh, your ferric chloride. The uh, the hardened steel is gets black and then wherever there was the satanite is, is soft. So, I mean, some people are really good at it. I know a lot of people use 1095. I'm under the impression that W2 and 1095 are the steels to use. Uh, who is it that's uh, Jared Ball? I don't know him. I, I know think that- it's who... There's a couple guys who do it great, which is one is Australian um, who listens to the show. Oh, he's going to fucking kill me. Will, 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 Will Morrison. Will Morrison does these hormones where he'll take a toothpick and he'll draw these very incredible patterns. Mm, and it right. is amazing. And Greg Sims does great hormones and Yeah, Jared Ball does some of the best ones I've seen. It's it's amazing. It, it seems to me like I'm not 100% sure how important it is for like use today in these days and in this day and age, but I mean it is definitely an incredible an incredible uh accomplishment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, and let's... I, it it's tricky and I think a lot of my issue whenever I've done it is I've had my blade too thick before I quench it. And then I have to grind too much off, and I I kind of grind through most of it. Hmm. Like I think there's a fine line of how you know preheat treat thickness versus leaving you know then grinding through decarb. The grinding through decarb is such a is su- it's such a like a wild west almost. You know, almost don't know how far you have to go before you get past it all. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of the wild west. TexasFarriersupply.com. They're the place to go. If you're a Texan farrier, knife maker, or hey, if you're just in the US, let's face it, um, TexasFarriersupply.com. Sell everything, including the amazing Indasa Rhino Wet, which we all use. Best sandpaper out there. Um, but they got the lot. Go take a look. TexasFarriersupply.com. Use Knife Talk 10, get 10% off. Um, yeah, go fill your basket. Those guys are good dudes. Yeah. Legacy Blades NC says, here's a question about glue-up. How much epoxy do you guys use? I mostly make full-tang knives and do all my handle shaping with dummy pins before final glue-up so I can see if I have any gaps needed to be addressed before mixing epoxy. I make sure my stuff is flat, grind my tangs at 120, and scuff my scales with 120 or 150 sandpaper. I put a thin layer... On first, uh, the scales, I pin it fl- and then fill the flow th- uh, fill the flow through the holes, then put a thin layer in the remaining scales after I clamp it all down and I wipe squeeze out away. There always seems to be more coming out. Even two or three iterations of me wiping it off seems to lead to epoxy seeping out. Am I not clamping the squales- scales hard enough? I end up with good results, but I spend most of my time uh, scraping up epoxy in the final cleanup, and I don't grind it off. So that's my finished tank. So my finished tank doesn't get messed up. Love the show. Thanks for your advice, 
Jared. And uh, Ben, you just did a beautiful, a beautiful uh, a, a forged knife with um, with uh, that Tiffany blue liner. Yeah. And you you must have had the same that issue. All the glue. I use all the epoxy. That shit goes everywhere. But I etch after glue up. Oh. So there's that. Yeah. Do you do you do the Salem straw method of of putting uh, uh, like a, a something on the the wood so it doesn't get uh, uh yeah I finger paint down close to it or finger finger nail paint and then I do wraps of electrical tape. I I no I think you know one of the things I do I have done. I P.S. Craig. Last week we we were talking about how the museum fit up might be the uh, floorboard. Yes. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I got a lot of messages of people not really liking that joke too much. <laughs> or I went a little too close to the went a little too close to the bone with that one. Wait, but, I I feel like I I need to hear this. Well, this we sounds were, like a hot take. Well, it was a joke based on we were talking about there was the idea that sometimes with wood, uh, even hand, uh, stabilized wood, that there's a little bit of growth. So yeah. Mareko is making the point that some people f- deal with that by doing the museum fit up where they'll have the handle will be, you know, a 16th all the way around bigger than the bolster. Uh-huh. And then that way you can kind of, and then I made the flippant joke that it was like when you put down floorboards and you leave a quarter inch all the way around. And then that's for the expansion and contraction. Then you put the, uh, I think I use the word floorboard, but I think it's the wainscoting I should have used. You put that over. So when the, when the boards swell up, they're like hidden under the, uh, wainscoting. Yeah, it, it's the idea of uh, if you're going to fuck up, make it look intentional. Right, exactly. So I've done that, and I've actually done full-tang Damascus knives where I had to etch them before I put the scales on. This just what yep. this guy did. And then I know exactly what he's saying, and I was just wiping it away and wiping it away and wiping it away. And part of me wonders is if some of these epoxies, and I use different types of epoxies, West Systems, I use Total Boat, I use... Hmm. G-Flex, some of them, when you mix them, especially the G-Flex in the canisters, they're very, very loose, very, very loose. And I actually learned from Tomer, you can buy, West System sells like a silica powder. It's like a thickener, you, yeah. A thickener. You mix it in with the um, the, the uh, epoxy. And then I, I use it because when I do the file work, well, I don't want it so loose that it runs out, you know, and, the, and it doesn't flood the epoxy, the uh, file work. So I use the silica, and it makes it re- amazingly thicker. Amazing. And you could add a spoonful here, a spoonful here, and you can get the consistency that you want. And then it also, because it's white, it also helps take the dye on a little bit nicer. It's a little bit kind of deeper. So I would think sometimes that some of that seep out is also because your might your epoxy might be super duper thin, super mm. duper thin. And also, I think people, I, I mean, uh, in this case, it's not. But I mean, you know, a full tang knife where you you, you clamp in uh, scales either side, you don't need to be like clamping that up, you know, tight, 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 because then you're getting rid of all the epoxy. You know, you you just literally just holding it in place, really, just a little That's bit of what pressure. I was thinking as well. Just a little bit of pressure. and But I've spoken to the guys at West Systems because I was doing testings with, you know, testings. It's like a fucking five-year-old. I was testing <laughs> with different uh, epoxies. Um, and what they're saying is the thinnest, like, film 
is the strongest you could, you could ever have it. Because if you think of two uh, surfaces that are adhering together, um, that's what the epoxy does. It'll adhere them together. And I mean, we've all done it with maybe like a wood glue and try and price things apart. And generally, the wood will split before the, the glue will give yeah. up. But if you put too much on, the weakest point is actually going to be that epoxy. Because, you know, the gap in between the two adhesions, that can be quite soft and quite sort of springy. So that could be the weakest point. So what they've said is the thinnest, thinnest like coating that you could possibly have will give you far much stronger adhesion than, you know, sticking shitloads of epoxy in. Um, so I, I know in in uh, Jeff's case, it's different because he uses epoxy to fill gaps, such as his filing and that kind of thing. That, that's a different sort of user case. But when you've got two surfaces that you need to bring together, as as as, as the guy has rightly done, you know, you rough you rough them up. But just then, the, 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 the a film, you know, you, you don't want to be pouring shit in there. It's just literally just a film, and that'll adhere the two together. You don't need to clamp them too hard. Just clamp them together and but just let it, it do its thing. If you have a shit ton of epoxy and you clamp it well, it's going to squeeze out into mm. film anyways. Mm. Right. True, yeah. So yeah. I would rather have too much epoxy, know that everything, every single surface is covered, squeeze it out, wipe it off, know that there's no void of any sort in there, then have this super, super thin film. Yeah, that makes sense too. And yeah. be afraid that there's... You know, maybe there's a spot where I didn't make contact. What well, I used to think was when I, so let's say on a full tang knife, I, I drill holes in there to, to loosen the weight. I also, also used to think that would help with the adhesion as well because you'd get epoxy running right through and making like a plug of epoxy. Um, and again, speaking to the West System guys, they're saying, well, no, that, that'll be a weaker point, if anything, because there's just too much epoxy. Um, so... Where I used to do that with handle material as well, I just you know just put a little sort of, not holes but just little divots in there, so I'd get these little pools of epoxy. I stopped doing that then, um, but yeah, I, I suppose a lot of people probably do that thinking they're doing it for the best, but um, according to you know straight from the horse's mouth, it's not. Huh. This guy, but this guy doesn't want to do any cleanup when it's all said and done. Like he wants, he's he he's done his ferric chloride etch. He's got the scales where they need to be. He doesn't. He doesn't want to keep. He doesn't want to keep, you know, cleaning up once he puts the glue on. Yeah, he's trying maybe to put the start, minimum. Maybe he should be doing hidden, hidden things. I mean, you heard it. I mean, that's that's. <sighs> I, I hate. You know, the funny thing is, is once in a while I'll get a, a call for. Uh, somebody wants a Damascus knife, but they want it to be a full tang knife, and I can never understand it because it's like, why oh. would you spend all that time and energy on a full tang on a full tang Damascus knife? It's just like it just seems like it just doesn't. I mean, I do it. It's he, such a pain in the ass. Such a pain in the ass. And then if you like, if you grind the spine in there underneath the handle, it doesn't look right. It is just a lot of added work and pain in the ass, and it is going to involve. Wiping a lot of epoxy off. I like. I don't know if there's much of a way around it. Have you done the uh, ferric chloride uh, ferric chloride Q-tip trick? That's. I have touched up some spots that way. That is a that is a low rent end <laughs> to the to a get a ton of a depression time. I hated it. I hate. It. I was like. I was like. I was hitting it with the hitting putting a little bit of ferric chloride. In a, Q-tip, and I said, "What did I do? What did I do to deserve <laughs> this? This is low-budget shit right here." So, 
But, yeah, you know you screwed up if you got to do that. Yeah. yeah, that is definitely like the <sighs> something happened. I shouldn't. I should. I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that this guy's. I think what I would do legacy is, I would try to. Th- I would go thin, thin, thin epoxy. Not a lot, but I would try to thicken it up a bit, so it doesn't have a chance to run out. This also might be, unfortunately, this might be five minute epoxy time too. Because that shit sets up much quicker, you know? Yeah. I'm not a fan of it because I don't want to wait around or I don't want to have to hustle, hustle, hustle. But, like, yeah, you either have to figure out a way to make it not run out by either not putting too much in there or thickening it up so it, it, it sets a little bit slower and it doesn't just run out. Or you gotta you gotta like white knuckle five minute, you know, get your. You know, I I suppose you could rub like the the edges of your tang with like a candle or something so the epoxy won't stick to it. That's a good idea too. That's a really but, good idea too. Or even. But oh, then you then you've got that epoxy stuck to your scales. Or you could put tape. You could put tape on your scales. You could you kind of tape your scales off, and then it's not such a big production. Yeah, just do 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 more prep work with less cleanup. Oh, this is all. I I like to do my before and after. Just let it go. Let that epoxy ride, and then it, whatever it's done, it'll grind it off anyway. Same here. So, yeah, there you go. Back to using uh, Dom, uh, <laughs> Damascus. Um, if you are going to use Damascus to make a full tang knife, why not use the best stuff anyway, which is Dharma Steel. The best stuff out there. Go take a look at uh, Dharma Steel Lab. Um, on Instagram, and you'll see what I mean. People are making some beautiful, beautiful stuff, and not just knives. There's jewelry. There's all sorts of stuff. Um, so the website is dharmasteel.se. Um, you, you can register on there to, to buy it, and they've got some amazing patterns. If you use Knife Talk, you get 10% off as well as a promo code. Um, they even sell pants. That's all I'm saying. Go take a look. You say Dharma- pants? Pants. Like Pant- as, in, as in As in trousers, Yes. Um, Dharmasteel.se. Go take a look. Question for you, Ben. Question yeah. for you, Ben. Now you have a great situation because you have a, you have responsibilities at the ranch, and you're able to work on your hammers for Wellshot. If you want to buy a hammer from Ben, you can go to Wellshot.com. You don't have to slip in his DMs. You've you've figured out a way to kind of do it all, and you work real hard, and you're able to make things that you want to make too. You know. If Sometimes, you, yeah. If you had the chance, if you decided I'm going to make some knives, what's the first knife you're going to want to make? I don't know. Maybe one shaped like a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some requests for knives like that as well. <laughs> you, but you like making knives. You make them every so often. I, you know, I make them every so often, but I, saying that I like making them is a little bit of a stretch. I, you know, I kind of just get the bug ever so often, and every time I get done, I'm like, I'm not doing this again, ever. <laughs> so uh, if you had your if you had your chances, if you if you go into the shop for a day, all of a sudden, let's just say you got a t- you got time to make whatever you want. What would be like the first an eight inch, eight inch chef? All right, there you go. That's kind of my the one I like to make. There you go. There I've you got go. some questions for you as well, Ben. So. I told my wife that Mareko's not on tonight, and I explained that you were coming yeah, on. Yeah, these, these are the ones from Madam Lockwood. These are these are Amy's cowboy questions. Because when I said he's a bona fide cowboy, she was like, fuck off. And I'm like, seriously? She's like, they don't exist. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. So I think she thinks cowboys are made up. So yeah, she's we'll got, Sasquatch. She's got some cowboy questions. 
Lay it on me. How do you keep your hat on when you're on a, riding a horse? That's a fucking good question right there. How do you keep your hat on when you're riding, when you're walking down the street? You just put it on, it stays on. <laughs> now, I will say that depending on where you're at regionally, hat styles vary. A Texas crease on a hat is a little more aerodynamic so the wind doesn't blow it off. Guys up in Northern California and Montana, the buckaroos, they wear a flat brim hat because it's they don't have to deal with as much wind. Mm. Uh, so they're getting more shade. But yeah, I mean, it just sticks on. What's so the, the Texas, Texas crease is when it bends up on the sides. Is that right? Uh, most cow- majority of cowboy hats bend up on the sides. Ours bend up a little more. Okay. Okay. And are a little narrower. Question number two. Do you really soak your cowboy boots in piss before you use them? <laughs> what the fuck kind of question? What the is fuck that? is that? <laughs> this Mrs. is Lockwood. What this the fuck is what's in my wife's that? mind at the moment? Well, what? no wonder she doesn't think cowboys exist. Well, nobody would do that. <laughs> what kind of crazy? There question? isn't a cowboy that's ever existed. It's like I'm gonna got some new boots, boys. I'm gonna go piss in them. I mean, that's the craziest question we've ever received on this podcast. Yeah, well, that's how that's the mind of my wife for you. <laughs> Uh, is it true that they – I have to tell you a story. I have to tell you a story that's so – Is this about this, pissing in boots? No, but it's okay. say, it's asking a question that I really regretted asking. When I was very young, I was told by a teacher that the – we used to take tell Polish jokes, which were un – they were not nice jokes at the expense of the Polish people. Right. And a friend of mine, a teacher – not a friend of mine, a teacher told me that in Belgium – they make the same jokes about the Belgian people and that the Belgian people, they, he said to me, Belgian people are known for being dumb. Yeah. And <laughs> I did not really think much of it. We were going to see a, I, I was very young and we were going to see a Madonna concert with my friends in the car. And I asked somebody who's speaking French and I asked, is it true that people from Belgium are dumb? <laughs> And the guy driving the car was my friend's dad. And my friend said, Jeff, my dad is from Belgium. (laughs) The car was silent for the rest of the trip. I apologized. And he was like silent. He was driving us all this fucking Madonna concert. And I had insulted the driver in the worst way you could. So you but I feel like wife. you got your answer. You called my wife dumb as well, Jeff. Not calling her dumb, but I mean, it was just like Your wife is Belgish? (laughs) <laughs> no i was just saying that it was like it was a question that i was surprised i was surprised i'm surprised that your wife would ask a question if he urinates on his boots i mean that's a strange question don't you think? she's obviously heard about it in some sort of film or small question she's got another two here um how often do you use a lasso uh i use a rope when i need to that was, that was a pro answer yeah i you know you don't ever get to use one as often as you'd like. I'll put it that way. Okay. What's the difference between a lasso and a lariat? Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. A, a, a rope, a lariat, and a lasso or a lasso are all the same thing. Okay. Okay. But G- lasso is just gunzel as hell. What's gunzel? A gunsel fuck is is a city boy who wants to be a cowboy, dime store cowboy. Oh, okay. 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 Listens to Bon Jovi, that kind of thing. 
<laughs> she's got she's got two questions here, but I'm only going to read okay. one because one is 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 even too far for this show. Oh, you got to um, no, no, no. I get, oh, you got, that's, now, we got to have that first. That's the, you want the that end with that one. End with that one. You got to end with that one. We let this is this is a normal one. How do you become a cowboy? And is it too late for me? She's asked. Well, she might could become a cowgirl. Cue the uh, jokes. Cue the jokes, anyway. <laughs> I don't okay. know. I'll, I'll, I'll do born this into last, it, I guess. I'll do this last question. And I, I, I'm sorry for this. These are not the words from my own mouth. <laughs> Just the woman that I love. Um, are you sexually attracted to Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> I don't know. See that kid that played Spider-Man? Uh, he's the kid who played, uh, he was in, he was Mysterio in, in a Spider-Man. I was his camp counselor. Did I ever tell you that? You did? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't, wow. you know, he was a dick. What's his name? Jake what? Jake Gyllenhaal. He was in, do you know there was a movie called Brokeback Mountain? You haven't heard any <laughs> oh, Brokeback yeah, Mountain jokes? Movie. All right. He was in that movie. But I don't that, wonder I if you heard that's the jokes. That's where the joke came from, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say <laughs> you never. Oh, he's a handsome guy. Oh, there we go. There we go. There's, there's the answer to the what question. What an answer! What an answer! I think piss in the boots was definitely. You should have ended with piss in the boots, but yeah, I wouldn't say I'm sexually attracted to him, but he's a handsome fella. There we go. There you go. Good answers. Good answers. Good questions. Good questions. <laughs> okay, I tell you what, we got a few more questions to go through. Was she? I, I, was she serious about that? The pissing in the boots. No, completely. Like, is that completely. a legitimate question? Completely. And I, I sort of, yeah, I think I agreed as well. I think I've heard that as well, I'm sure. You, Does this oh, go yeah. back to the Belgian people being stupid? <laughs> <laughs> we're Welsh. We're far, we're far stupider. <laughs> but, I mean. I, you know what? I got a question about being Welsh or being English. Okay. okay. We're very different. The Welsh and English are very different. But, yeah, go on. But Welsh people get knighted by the Queen as well? Uh, we got the same queen, yes, yes, yeah. If you are knighted by the queen, yeah. does she give you a sword? No. Uh, what the hell's the point of being a knight without a sword? Yeah, a knight of the realm. You're, 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 you're sort of tapped by by a sword on your shoulder. Um, but you don't just, get to keep that sword. You don't get to keep it, no. No, no. Fuck, that sucks. That yeah. does suck. It does suck. But is this? Do you, when you are knighted, do you get any... Is there anything that you get out of it you get like a badge like a sheriff's badge <laughs> oh that's pretty cool uh, yeah you know and on a ribbon thing that you can you can put on a suit like but, you uh, get to flash it at the bar at the pub and get free drinks i think you can legitimately become a pedophile i think that's part of the <laughs> that's part of the deal <laughs> it's sort of loud <laughs> that's the, um, like the key to epstein island is yeah, the, I think is so. the badge. Is I think the so. But, uh, yeah. Um, now, here's the real I've question. Actually, I've actually met the Queen. I've been there. I've been in the house, and we, we shook hands and so on. That but picture was the... dynamite. I love yeah. that picture. Right, now, I don't like to mention it, but I try to bring it up every fucking day if I can. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, you can change your title to Sir, right? You can buy, yeah. You can buy, well, you can buy, like, a lordship, like... Yeah, there's certain places in Scotland, and if you buy like a a square inch of that land, you can get like a yeah, you know, it's all bollocks. It's like naming a star, you know, it doesn't mean anything. You mean the people who are knighted aren't automatically sirs? Mm, yeah, if you're knighted, you're a sir. But you can also buy a lordship, which is 
slightly different. I don't yeah. know if you know this, but anytime anybody in the United States refers to Paul McCartney as Sir Paul McCartney, yeah, there's a fucking lot of smarm in that sir when they say that sir. <laughs> sir Paul well, McCartney. Well, they gave no, I'm with back. You, the Beatles but you... famously gave those back, didn't they? Who did? Uh, the bit, the, all of the Beatles, they were all knighted, uh, became sirs, and they, they, or they had MBEs, one or the other, and they gave them back. I don't think Paul McCartney did. I think he kept it. Really? You know, it's also, Bastard. it's way less smarmy to call, refer to her as Dame Le, Le, uh, Judy Dench, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's okay to say that, but Sir Paul McCartney. Yeah. Go sing somewhere, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Good don't give singers Paul. swords. Good old Sir Paul McCartney. Yeah. Good old yeah, I mean, it could be Sir Jimmy Savile, which is a very different story. But uh, what's the no now hold night for the Americans? Talk about who, who is Jimmy Savile and what did he oh, do? Oh, really? We could do it. Let's do this in the after show, maybe. All right. the Jimmy Savile right. talk. Fuck it out. What's this become? <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my I want to tell. I, I need to tell our Canadian listeners about about somewhere, which is MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. And actually, not just Canadians, because it's in the U.S. as well. You can still shop there and actually make a bit of a saving. So, um, yeah, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. They're on Instagram too, but uh, at the address, uh, the web address, you'll see what they sell. They've got, they got everything that you need. They're a one-stop shop for a knife maker. Steel, belts, handle materials, tools, Forges, kilns, they sell everything. Uh, 10% off uh, packs of 10 belts as well. Uh, so go take a look. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Um, and they're also on Instagram as well. And they've always got deals and stuff. So, yeah, go take a look. Okay. Right. Um, Jeff, do you want to look down the list and maybe do one more question? And then we'll go to uh, an after show because I'm quite excited about this now. <laughs> <laughs> we also have listener feedback, but we'll see that okay. for next yeah, week. Yeah, we can do that, yeah. Uh, this one comes from Sharp on Socks. Sharp on, Sharp on Docs or Sharp on Socks? I'm sorry about that, Sharp on. Hey, do any of you guys use a router for handles, uh, the upside down mounted on a table situation? For You know what, you know what he's talking about, Craig? Yeah, they, scare the, they spin so fast. They scare the fuck out of me, those things. Um, no, I use like a CNC router for certain handle materials, like uh, when I'm doing the plastics and stuff because they're a nightmare to grind. Um, no, those ones that you mount on a table upside down, uh, no, I, I think you've got very little, because they're spinning so fast, you've got so, such little control, and if you're using your hands to do it and you're getting close to that spinning edge, no, nah, it's, it's not for me, that. I have a trick that I learned from lure makers, guys who used to make lures. They're, the lure making uh, world is in Europe is fascinating. And these handmade, when I was, before I was making knives, I was making these giant fishing lures, but I befriended all these lure makers. And a lot of them use the tabletop router. And actually, if you go to Jeff Fader on Instagram back in the day, I had one of these setups. And one of the guys whose name was Ronin Lures, he makes these big, beautiful lures, paints them. They're, you know, they're all, the, the painting and the, the whole lure making uh, world is fascinating. So what he did is he put a router and he mounted it to a table so the router bit sticking up. And then what he did was he took a piece of plexiglass and then he would mount the he would kind of like adhere the lure to the to the plexiglass. I think it was using two sides and putting them together. And he was able to hold he put some handles on the plexiglass and he was able to hold the whole thing without touching the the uh, router bit. 
or even close to it. Like he could see through the plexiglass, mm. and then what he had to attach was protected by the 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 clear plastic. And I did it, and it was it was it was amazing. It was terrifying. But your hands are far away from the bit, and you're able to see because you know you're. You know, I would think that that would be a straight move if you were going to use that, especially if you have the handles all cut out. You could, if you know where your holes are, you could actually drill holes that same style holes in the bottom of the plexiglass. Have a couple handles on the outside, and then you could run it safely. You could do it that way, but I'm I'm with you. I fucking fuck a router, man. I, I that yeah. scares the shit out of me. And there's little room for sort of any um, like slip up either. You know, you you can't sort of hide anything because it needs to be perfect. And if you're doing it by hand, I don't know. It's no. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 with y'all, and I think you could kind of like uh, Jeff said with lots of setup, lots of time getting everything ready building jigs to hold your scales, I think it could be possible. But I also worked with a guy whenever I was a trim carpenter who lost a thumb, index, and middle finger on his left hand in a router table. Uh, and it put the fear in me pretty uh, good. Yeah. yeah I, I had to I, clean out the router table afterwards. It sucked. Did oh, you? Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've seen YouTube videos where people are making, you know, this is how to make a router table, and they've got, like, a bit of plywood, and they're just, like, putting these, like, really thin bolts to stick, like, a normal, you know, tabletop router upside down on it. And I'm thinking, these bolts are going to just rattle off, and they're going to fall. It's going to cause fucking carnage. Yeah, you can do it, but it's not a good idea. No. no You're so much not. faster with the grinder. Like, a slack belt, it's like... You know, I, I tell you what, that would be the, the, the... That's the number one reason I use the disc sander. Is because I'm able to kind of like make those radiuses super duper fast, and I'm not worried about taking any parts off. See, and- I could see, I could see taking the time to make all your jigs and your tooling and stuff if you were doing a production run of like a hundred. Yeah, and you want yeah. to go through route out like an a eighth inch round on each edge of two hundred scales. I could see it being worth the time then. But not for one or two knives. No. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and especially if you're using those, you know, those router bits that have a little sort of bearing on the bottom, so you could run something up against that each time, you know? But nah, it's, yeah. Bad move. Bad move. Okay. Should we call it a day? Sure. Well, let's hit the after show. Oh, no, we got listener feedback, you said. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We have some Sorry. listener Go feedback. On. Let's just do one or two. Okay, here's some listener feedback. First one comes from Kale Riv. He says, I love it when you guys go off topic and talk about food. Jeff's broiled oyster recipe sounds incredible. Just hearing about it gave me a whitey bulger. Definitely <laughs> oh, going to have to give so it a try. Yeah. That's a banger. That's it a banger recipe. so good. Yep. I, that recipe is a banger. Yeah. I think we talked about it last week that, but yeah, both myself and Ben regularly do that as well. It, oh, it's, it's fantastic. It, it's, it's good. It's very good. That's a tough one. That's a tough one to beat as because it's so simple. There's like hardly any ingredients. It's the best. And double points for saying the Whitey Bulger callback from last week as well. Yeah, that was a good one. He gives him a Whitey Bulger. It was really good. Uh, Adam Davis says, here's some listener feedback. The team needs to get together a live in-person show at 2023 Blade Show or something. Also, live pit music courtesy of Craig would be a great addition. Jeff or Mareko on the cowbell. Sincerely, Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> Well, Bruce happen. Dickinson, he's an Iron Maiden, wasn't he? I don't know. Yeah, apparently uh, so. Yeah, um, yeah, it would be lovely to happen one day, but it's, it's just 
you know, whether you guys come over here, it's so much time for you, and for me to go over there, it's so much time. It's you know difficult. Yeah, man, you got two three year olds and a six month old, and you're not looking for a for a little time off. You're a hell of a father. <laughs> well, he oh, likes swing. He like, he, you're a good man. Listen to you compliment. He, you don't understand. He's either swinging in a hammock or soaking in a tub. <laughs> God, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a or man. driving seventeen hours. Well, yeah. yeah, you got a point, but I mean, I think his—I think that if you took his bath time and and hammock time, that's probably seventeen hours too. Well, and you got to factor in the opening of packages in the bathroom by himself. Exactly. You know, yeah, yep. that's yep. the only place for you, peace. Honestly, yeah, you, it's, you got you get some you get enough alone time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, enough. Kimmy's Cutlery says, "Hey guys, great podcast. I use Museum Fit Up on my full tang Damascus knives." Uh, this lets me completely finish the tang of the blade before gluing the scales on. I also use wax, the wax tip I learned from the podcast. I wax all the areas possible, squeeze out before the glue up, and I peel the, epo- the epo- I peel the epoxy cure off. <sighs> and I peel the epoxy off after it's cured. Thanks for the knife making tips. Thanks, man. Where were you earlier? I know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Uh, Lorian Design says, note to self, no careful hand sanding during during the after show. Thanks for helping me help myself to make extra work. I wish you guys would stick to incredibly interesting business advice and leave all the jokes in tomfoolery to the Financial Times. <laughs> and then there's like t- show television show recommendations. There's a lot of like, I got a lot of messages from people with TV show recommendations, which was very nice. But, you know, that's whatever. So. Yeah. All right. We'll take one or two now in the after show. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Ben, for you know your Friday afternoon for spending it with us. Uh, Happy what, to be what time here. is what time is it over there now? Three forty p.m. Three forty. All oh, right. Okay. Early finish then. Thank you all for listening. We shall speak to you all again next week. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by the Makery, the podcast network for makers. That'll do. I, I don't want to hear about TV shows. I want to hear about Jimmy Seville. What's this dude about? <laughs> Jimmy I've, got, I've got a Knife Talk <laughs> podcast cool. and, and Full Blast podcast. I've got a gripe that I've held in for a long time. Go ahead. Okay, let's do it. And it is, I just heard it, the podcast network for makers. I just the makers. The it says, makers. <laughs> it just irritates me every single time I hear it. Yeah, Rant it's over. a very sort of generic American voiceover man. Makers. Makers. Ah, Jimmy Seville. That's a very uh, exotic name for the most unexotic man in the world. Uh, Jimmy Saville. Um, so back in the 70s, every kid knew this guy on TV called Jimmy Saville um, because he had a TV show called Jim Will Fix It. So what you'd do, you'd write down what your your dream was and you send it to this TV show. And they used to literally get hundreds of thousands of letters a week. Um, and it would be, you know, it would be shit like I want to meet my favorite football player or, you know, I want to jump through a ring of fire on a motorbike. Or, you know, all these little dreams that kids have. And any kid, kid could write into this? Any kid could. And, in fact, our school, like, got all the kids to do it. And most British people about my age everybody wrote to jimmy it was the biggest like tv show on on you know at the time for kids and all kids you know thought one day my dreams are going to come true because i'm going to write to jimmy so there's this weekly tv show called jim will fix it where they'd have 
maybe pick seven or eight kids a week and they'd make their dream come true. You know, well, it's like the Make-A-Wish Foundation for kids who aren't sick. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. But this was the 70s and this guy um, – so first of all, you, you'd have to go to the studio and he, you'd sit on his knee – and he'd have a big cigar and he's fucking blowing smoke in your face. And, you know, oh like, it's a young kids. It was just like, it was all, all sorts of wrong. All sorts of wrong. And he, you could tell he was a fucking wrong and, you know, it was just like, this is, <laughs> this is not right. Even as a kid, he's just like, this isn't fucking right. But hey, if I get to meet my favorite footballer, I'll sit on his knee, whatever. Oh, and that's basically what was happening. And, um, but, you know, he raised, um, millions of pounds. So, so he, he was an old guy then, but he used to like run marathons and you know raise awareness for hospitals and stuff. And you know he used to you know open up hospital wings that he'd pay for with all this money that he'd made out of you know charity runs and all that kind of thing. And he has this long. Am I looking at the right guy? Long blonde hair. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you tell me what he looks like. He looks dodgy as fuck, doesn't he? There's no. There's no two ways about it. He but just anyway. looks like a character. I mean, in like a. Yeah. But yeah, but anyway, it looks like it turns he's out, out Shrek. It turns out after he died, I mean, there's lots of investigations that you know going on beforehand, but nothing was really you know sticking. After he died, they'd found that he'd you know he'd abused thousands of people, and you know even in hospitals where he'd you know oh go and visit God. the sick kids, he you know they'd give him keys to the wings. He had a bedroom in a number of hospitals where they'd said you can just go and sleep whenever you, and he'd walk through the corridors at night on his own and go and see these. He was up to all sorts of fucking. Evil, evil shit. Um, but anyway, there's a, there's a documentary on Netflix that have come out this week, um, and that's just ahead of the film. So there's a film coming out with um, Steve Coogan, who played Alan Partridge. He's playing Jimmy Savile in the film. Um, but, it, you know, there's this massive story where it turns out where, you know, they're saying, you know, he was part of like an Illuminati and he, he was supplying, you know, children to, you know, senior police officers and to members of the royal family. And, you know, all these are sort of proven things. And and he had this thing about, you know, fucking dead people and he'd go to morgues in the hospital and fuck people. It was just what? like the most bizarre, disgusting. No, wait. When you said, fu- you know, he had this thing about fucking dead people, you yes. meant like intercourse with a corpse not like you know these fucking guys over here oh no no i mean you know yeah i mean intercourse with <laughs> intercourse with a corpse there's a show title for this week no 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 we got we're gonna lose our sponsors at some point <laughs> jesus going in cold I mean, but, but, boy we're really but, hitting this on a high note well, i know <laughs> i know but yeah, he was a necrophiliac yeah, well, the, in this, if you watch this uh, documentary that's on Netflix now, um, they've really watered it down because apparently um, they said, like, for the American audience, we can't put most of this stuff out because it's just, it's just too much, you know, because they, they don't know the backstory of this guy. It's just this guy who's, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. Um, but, like, some of the stuff in it, you're watching – so Top of the Pops, for example, was the uh, – the big music show. Well, all the time I was growing up, you know, for, through a kid to being a teenager, Top of the Pops, every Thursday night, they'd run through, like, the chart. They'd have all the bands playing. It was, it was huge. Fuck it. it was a massive, massive thing. But he was a host. And, like, if you watch it now, you see him, like, groping, like, young girls in the audience and stuff. And at the time, you're just like, there's Jimmy again, kind of thing. And it's just like, fuck me. Um but anyway, yeah, this documentary show all these clips, and, and you're like, you just watch and go, how did people not, like, fucking find out about this years before? But anyway, there's this one point where he's talking about his mum dying, 
And um, apparently his mum was into the occult and all this crazy, crazy shit. And um, they said, well, you were with your mum when she died. But they said, but why did it take you a week to phone like an ambulance or phone like alert people? Shut No, up. listen, listen. And, and his response was, um, I needed some time on my own with her and stuff. But it all alluded to it. He was fucking it like. Oh, no. Oh. You can't anyway, see it's... me right now, but my eyes are the size of trash can lids. <laughs> that... Go down. You, you don't want to do it. You don't want to go down the Jimmy Savile rabbit hole because it's. It's it's depraved and disgusting. How does, but how does he get so famous and so close? In this documentary, they're showing letters from Prince Charles, um, writing to Jimmy, saying, "Jimmy, you're a man of the per- man of the people, and so on. You know, we need some advice on this. Could you come in and advise us on, you know, how we should do go about doing these?" Things? And it's just like they all knew what he was up to. He, he had like senior police people come around his house every Sunday morning for drinks and things like that. And um, so whenever anybody reported him for doing something dodgy. They just closed. They just shut it down. They just like, no, no, no. It's Jimmy. He's fine, and they wouldn't investigate. You know, but it turns out there's thousands and thousands of people. It's just anyway. It's yeah. a dark, dark, it's dark, dark as shit. Fuck. Dark. And honestly, even if you just look at a picture of him, you'd just be repulsed. You'd just think, oh, Jesus it. It Christ. gives you per- perfect reason to not trust people. Like, I mean, that's like, you know, we have these these things in our lives that make us not trust people. I mean, that's a pretty good reason not to trust people. Yeah. If, like, he's being, like, touted as this important person and then all these people are being, like, shushed up and then, you know, famous people, you know, the, the Prince Charles is, like, his buddy and, you know, this Prince Andrew with fucking Epstein. It's There's yeah. a lot of good reason to not trust any of these motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, they work in different circles and so on but yeah anyway that that was my tv review of the week the jimmy savile interview uh documentary uh, you Savile. know bringing up the royal family this is just something i thought of <laughs> popped into my head not thought of before the royal family would fit well in like the south of U- the united states why yeah that's that? all charlie right there and his boys willie and harry their mama died <laughs> Uh, just their names. If you give them the the Texas or the the Southern, the drawl, the drawl. I mean, they just fit right in. Yeah, Fergie. Yeah. Uh, you know. Oh, Fergie. That's Charlie and Fergie. <laughs> she ran. He ran off. I see. I can't do it, but I was. Yeah, he ran off with that old that old bitch. What's her face? Wife oh, died. Char- he, boy, oh, Charlie, he's a country son of a bitch. Thanks to seven course meals, a possum, and a six pack. <laughs> Wife Diana died. Now she's with that old bat. You know, the one he's been fucking for years. <laughs> Head like a horse, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Head like a horse. She walks into the bar and the bartender says, hey, why the long why face? Long face. <laughs> That is so funny. You could totally talk about the royal family as a bunch of rednecks, and you it would could. sound perfectly normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Willie left the Willie left the family with that other girl. <laughs> she didn't like the family very much, so they left. That's funny. Uh, We're all the well, same. Diana's guys. the only one who really doesn't fit in. Yeah. Uh, Boyfriend who's was though? driving too fast. Sorry. <laughs> let's, change, let's change the stuff before you piss everybody off <laughs> Jesus so these TV recommendations what, what are we looking at Jeff oh uh, let me pull that back up I was I was too too having too much fun with that one uh, Wilder <laughs> of Alaska says 
Uh, McMillions is a good show. It's the big scandal with the Monopoly game in McDonald's. Do you have? Do you know about the Monopoly? Oh game yeah, yeah. I, I watched that. Is it good? It's kind of wild. I mean, it's yeah, it's worth a watch. Well, what's it about? So, this one company ran the actual Monopoly games, printed out the deals, and then they were stealing them, like, you know, where you win a million dollars, you win a house or or a hmm. Dodge Viper, whatever. And they were giving those things to their friends. So the general uh -huh. public wasn't ever actually even in the running to get all of that. Huh. And it's just about how, how they went about it. It's It's pretty interesting. Um, uh, I, I read at one point that McDonald's were the biggest landowners in the U.S. Yeah, that's right. Bigger, that's, that's the biggest. That's the biggest. That's where all their money comes from is, is yeah. land ownership. I didn't know that. Wow. Um, yeah. What do you think? There's one in every, you know, at least one in every city, and you know, there's the, you know, there's parking, and you know, the size of the lot, and all the rest of it. That, yeah, yeah but sense. guys like Craig go once a week. Do you know what the the <laughs> what restaurant has more locations than any other? Oh, let me think about this. You want to say you got, you got to go fast food, right? You got to oh, go yeah. fast. You got to go fast food. So you either want to say you don't want to say Pizza Hut, but part of me wants to say that's the dark horse. Pizza Hut's the dark horse, but I might have to go with. And you don't want to say Burger King because they're not as big as McDonald's. No. When I tell you, it's going to make sense, but you don't. It's not one that you think of right offhand. It's Subway. Oh yeah. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Talk about another everywhere. pedophile. That was another oh, yeah. guy that, yeah. that uh, Jared from Subway. He What's wrong with these people? <laughs> <laughs> and his foot long. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jared jokes. Ugh, that's so funny. Uh speaking of pedophiles, I told I was leaving the house the other day. <laughs> and, I, and I told Alex, see you later, pedophile or yeah, see you later, pedophile. After a while, pedophile, she did not like that. <laughs> she also didn't like it whenever I said, see you later, masturbator. <laughs> or what do you is know, Kemp? Is this your wife? Yeah. Oh, For right, a, yeah, I can imagine why. Then, <laughs> For a while, pedophile. Yeah. That's a good one. After a while, pedophile, see you later, <laughs> masturbator. And then uh, I answered yeah. the phone and gave her the old, uh, what do you know, camel toe? <laughs> I shall try all these this week and, and report back next I week. I would like to hear <laughs> how it goes, because it didn't yeah. go good around here. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. yeah that's a good one. A good one. Right, oh, I'm going to get off. Um, it's that's very just... late. It's, what, it's, it's five to midnight here. Oh, wow. But anyway, thank you again, uh, Ben, for joining us. Um, it's been fun. It's been fun. It has. Two, yeah. in a, two in a row, fun shows. <sighs> right, I shall see you all next week. Thank Adios. you again. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, 
We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.